morning, PCA, on your feet. It's time to worship the Lord, amen. He is so awesome and so good, amen. The Bible says in Psalm 29 that we should ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name and that we should worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let's just do that now, amen. He is so good. Thank you, Lord.
perfect. You are well able to take care of us, and you do it. You do the most amazing things, God. Are you hungry for the Lord? Are you hungry for more of God? There's always more to be had. No matter what level you're on, there's always more of God.
you have beautiful things in store for each and every one of us. And if we'll just surrender to you on a daily basis, sometimes moment to moment, you will use us for the most amazing things. Speak to hearts right now, Holy Spirit. That's a word for all of you, I believe, as we surrender to him every day. Every day. He promises a good plan for each of our lives. If we will seek him with our whole heart, and if we'll surrender to whatever he wants to do, not what we want. We will see his good plan in our lives. But only if we do that. Holy Spirit, I believe you're working in hearts in this place, and I thank you. And I believe that's going to continue on. And you've got a powerful word for us today. I just know it. Help us to be open and hear what you've got to say, Lord. And help us to run to you and your word and your plan and your will. I love you, Lord. I praise you. You are so, so good. Help the people here to realize how much you love them. Even when they're going through difficult times, help them to realize and know who they are in you and how much they are loved and that you will walk them through it. I love you, God. I praise you and I thank you. In Jesus' holy and beautiful and powerful name, amen. Good morning, PCA. You may be seated. Man, it looks so good to see you guys out there. It is great. Do you really believe what we just sang? Really, think about it, church. With new wine, we have what? New power. And isn't that what we need today in this crazy, crazy world? We need new power. Well, thank you so much for being with us here in our auditorium and online. We're so happy to have you. Now is a special time for us to also worship in our giving. We have lots of ways to give. You can give outside on the kiosk. You can give on our website. You can give on our app. If you do not have our app, you can go to your app store or play store. Search for PCA Church, download it, and then answer affirmatively to every question, and then you will have the app, and you can give that way also. You can also text to PCA Church, text PCA Church to 1-844-390-2401, okay? Also, we're going to have our ushers come forward. We're going to give actually in the congregation today. Woohoo! Yay! It's exciting. It's exciting to give and to worship him your tithes and offerings. He promises us if we are faithful to him, right? He's faithful to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and that's what I want, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. And Lord, thank you for this opportunity to once again come together and be a one body in this church, in our congregation. Lord, we can see people's faces and Lord, we can't yet hug their necks, but we can at least see them, Father, and we are so grateful for that. And Lord, I ask that you would anoint and bless this offering. Touch every dollar, Father. Multiply it and make it useful to every part of our ministry, Father. I pray, Lord, that now you would begin to touch every heart, mind, and soul to receive the word that Pastor has for them. Open up their hearts, Father. Do the work that only you can do, and we'd be so very careful to give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. It's great to see everybody today. Everybody looks great. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. It's good to see you. I love seeing faces of people, and uh, it's good to see. Every week we're getting a few more people back, and so uh, 
We'll, uh, in about another six to ten years, we'll have everybody back at church. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. How many of you like good news? You like good news? I've got nothing but good news for you today. Uh, first good news is I'd like Miss Karen to please come back up here. Miss Karen Wiseman. Uh, she has been working with us on a part-time basis uh, for quite a while. But I want to announce to you today that starting June the 28th, Miss Karen is going to be working with us on a full-time basis. So I want you to welcome her to the full-time staff of PCA Church. We're so excited about what she's going to be able to accomplish being here all the time, full-time. I know she's excited about it. And so we're going to be having opportunities to work with children and youth and adults with all these things, special programs, productions. So I'm very, very excited about her being here today. And this is a great announcement. Ms. McKeeran, welcome to the team today. God bless you. She has a handsome husband. His name is Brian. Brian, God bless you, buddy, for letting her work up here at this zoo Monday through Thursday with us. God bless you. Thank you so much. Um, I have a couple of other quick announcements. Um, number one, if you're a guest with us today, number one, I pray that you feel the presence of God. Because if, that, if you have his presence, that's everything, right? Number two, I pray that you feel welcome, that when you came from the parking lot, uh, onto the foyer and all into the auditorium, you felt welcome. And number three, you got to come back because seconds are always better than first. And so please come back every time. We want you to be here and we want you to be a part of our family because we are family. This is all we have. And today we have some very special guests with us from New Mexico. Mac and Liz Boyd and their granddaughters are with us today. And uh, he was on our board in New Mexico for many, many, many years. And he still loves me. And I love him and, and his lovely wife so much. We've been through so many wonderful times together. Uh, I told the story to the church. You may not have been here. You may not remember. But uh, several years ago, we were having a big youth concert at our church in New Mexico. And it was very loud. We'd taken all of the chairs out because it was standing room only. And it was so loud that I had one of the other deacon, not Mr. Mack, but another deacon come in. And he grabs me and says, Pastor, we've got to turn this down. I said, why? Because the water in the toilets is vibrating from the sound. I said, well, let everything that can be shaken be shaken. No? And then I looked out and in the sea of youth with their hands up jumping. I mean, as high as they can jump. I see... His father, Pastor Boyd, who's a retired minister in his 80s at the time, he's jumping as high as he can, and I'm going, that is awesome. I want to be that pastor who was in his 80s, out in the middle of the auditorium with the youth all around him, jumping and sweating and all, and he's out there doing the same thing. And then he turns around, he sees me, he catches my eye, catches he runs to me and he goes, this is awesome. I said, yes, it is, Pastor Boyd. He said, all of these young people just packed in here. They could be anywhere else in the world, but they're in the house of God worshiping God. Isn't that awesome? So I am very excited uh, to have them with us today, and uh, I love them very much, and they're dear, sweet friends. And uh, so if you see them after the service, say hi, but if you're a board member, do not talk to him. I do not want anybody comparing notes. Absolutely not. Uh, last Sunday, I started a, a message, Rebellion or Redeemed. If you haven't seen it, go online, watch it. It's very important. 
Rebellion are redeemed. And then I figured out I didn't end it. So I don't know if I'm going to end it today or not. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is, is directing us to say some things as a pastor to the church. The church. The church. Last week I shared how that we do not need demonstrations of the rebellion. We need demonstrations of the redeemed. Our nation is in crisis. Our nation is in chaos. And we see all the things on television of the rebellion of those who are not redeemed. We need to see and have the news covering a demonstration of the redeemed. Because it is in stark contrast to a demonstration of rebellion. I talked about how our church needs to be the church. We don't go to church. We don't do church. We are the church. The buildings may have been closed, but the church was never closed. Amen? And I believe that as a pastor and a preacher, it is time for all pastors to wake up and shake up their congregations, shake up their families at church and say, hey, it is time for the church to be the church, for the redeemed of the Lord to say so. Amen? Not to be hiding, not to be shrinking back but to be rising up in a time when our nation needs the redeemed. I talked about this verse, 2 Timothy 4, 2 last week. It says this, preach the word. I'm not here to preach the last thing that's on trend. I'm not here to preach the last thing that's all about the conversations of our nation. I am here as a pastor to do what? Preach the word. I am to be prepared in season. And out of season. And when you preach the word, it comes across in different ways to different people. Because everyone today will hear this message differently based upon where you are with your walk with God. Some of you will hear correction. Some of you will hear rebuke. Others of you will be encouraged when you leave here. Why? Because I am to preach with great patience and careful instruction. And I talked about last week how that we are to build one generation upon the next generation with the cornerstone being Jesus Christ. We all come from different backgrounds. We have different skin colors, different ethnicities, social status, all those things. But we all are here to agree upon one thing, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if we keep that foundation and we build on that, the next generation coming behind us is going to have a great way to lay the next stones upon the foundation. I told you last week I'm a preacher, I'm not a politician. I do not preach politically correct messages. So if you want to hear politically correct messages, this is not the pulpit to come and listen. I am here to preach hermeneutically and homiletically correct messages. At times it will be a rebuke, at times it will be correction, at times it will be encouragement. But I believe the word of God is alive, don't you? It is alive, it is a living thing, and it cuts to the very heart of us sometimes. It divides spirit and soul, bone and marrow. And I believe today that God has a word for every one of you. I would never waste your time coming here with a sermon. I want to make sure I am prepared to give you a message from God. And I believe today I have a message. At PCA Church, we have these directives. We belong, we believe, and we become. 
We have so many people with the stickers on the back of their cars. And so when you do that, you got to live up to it, right? Belong, believe, become. In other words, every one of these words have be. Be the church. Be. We got to be the church. And we are to gather together. I'm kind of going over last week's real quick, but we are to gather together. A lot of churches are not together. A lot of people are not together. They may gather, but they're not together. I read last week in Acts 2, 42 through 46, how that they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, and to gathering together. That's why it is so important for us to come together as the church. Because when you are here, you encourage other people by just showing up. When people drive by the church and the parking lot is filled, they go, what's going on in there? Yeah, curiosity. So even if you don't come to church, you, you just have somebody drive your car and park it out there. <laughs> We've got to gather together. I do not believe we have to agree on everything. No two people agree on everything. But I do believe we should strive to agree on biblical principles. And those biblical principles do not change. Society changes. Opinions change. Structure changes. But the word and its principles never, never change. Our mindsets are ever-changing. The way we think, the way we approach, the way we ideologically look at something is constantly changing, but the word never changes. The biblical truths do not change with generations. So the, the last generation had the same biblical truths as we do, and every generation before them. I do not believe that the Bible changes with situations. Hey, listen, we've all got situations in our life, and sometimes when our situation hits us, we then begin to go, I'm not sure if the Bible really says that. Isn't that what's been going on since the Garden of Eden? Didn't Satan come to Eve and Adam and say, did God really say that? So when the situation hits us and our family, we go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know that the word says that. Does it really? It really does. I told you last week, we don't lift our, our lives up and make the Bible agree with us. We lift the Bible up and our lives must agree with the Word of God. I don't believe biblical truths change with implications or with applications because biblical truths are biblical truths and they transcend generations. If you study hermeneutics, this is called transcultural truths. It doesn't matter where you are at in the world, what continent you are on. The truth is the truth, and that truth sets people free. Last week I stated that the church is to confront culture, not condone or condemn culture. I told you last week that the worldview of the church, their perspective is that we are small-minded, that we are judgmental, that we are condemning, that we are elitist, that we are us for and no more. I had that whole list. We need to change the perspective of the world about the church. But we do not change the word for the culture. The word changes culture. Culture does not change the word. The church is to have good news. It's not condemning. There's no condemnation in the word of God. There's no uh, 
bringing in and saying you must do because that is not what the word says because Jesus on the cross says it is finished. He's already done it. We receive salvation. It's a free gift. So we are to be convicting, not condoning. We are to be confronting, not conforming. And so many times, especially today, listen to me, especially today the church is being confronted with culture and they are most of the time conforming to the new ideas of what the word says. We cannot conform. So that's a recap of last week. You ready? Tell your neighbor, hang on. Here we go. All right, you ready? Rebellion is nothing new. In heaven, before everything was all put together, there was a leader of the worship named Lucifer. And Lucifer decided to do what? Rebel against God. And when he rebelled against God, one-third of the angels rebelled with him. And then God created this place called hell. And he sent them there, him and his angels. And that's why God created hell, was for Lucifer and his angels. But it is also there, listen to me clearly, it is also there for all peoples who are in rebellion against God. Rebellion. It is a choice. Lucifer made a choice. In the garden, Adam and Eve rebelled because God gave them a choice. And Satan comes along and goes, but did he really say that? And because of their rebellion, sin entered and death and disease and all the things we have today, we blame God for a lot of things and God says, I'm not doing it. It's your rebellion that happened in the garden that brought this upon you. I am here to give you life and give it to you how? In abundance. So today we are either in rebellion or we are redeemed. Now everything I say from here forward, you've got to filter it through this truth. God is love. God is love. And God loves you. And everything I'm going to say from this point forward, I am going to say it with the greatest amount of love, compassion. Why? Because I love you. But I have got to tell you truth. Truth. Anyone that is in rebellion against God is rebellious and not redeemed. If you are redeemed, then you are not rebellious with God. You see, you are either one or the other. And today our culture is trying to say no. There's an in-between spot. And there's not. It sounds good. It makes you feel good. But it's not truth. You are either rebellious or you are redeemed. The Bible is all about either ors. That's all it is. Read it from front to back. It is all about either ors. The problem comes in is when situations happen to us, we then begin to say, wait a minute, I think there's an in-between gray area in the Word of God. No, there's not. I love you. I'm preaching truth. I want you to hear it that way. And then I want you to share it with other people in the same manner. You see, the Bible is all about contrast. When Christ was here, he had a contrast with culture. And culture had a contrast with Christ. They were not the same. 
Christ was talking about, I want to bring the kingdom of God to earth. What a contrast to the way they were living with their kingdom being on earth. You see, Galatians 5.25 says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so if you're living by the Spirit, you're keeping in step with the Spirit, you are not in rebellion with God, you are in redeemed reunion with God, and you're, you're moving as the Holy Spirit moves you, you cannot be dancing with the rebellious because you're dancing with God. You can't have two partners at the same time. Keep in step. James 4.4 4 says this, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, I'm not talking about having friends who are not Christians. That's not what this is about. This is about when you go over here and you decide, I'm going to live the culture of this world and not become a Christ follower, then you are in rebellion. If you follow Christ, he calls you a friend. So you are either a friend or an enemy. They're not kind of friends. Well, I know him. How many of you have a real friend? Raise your hand. A real friend. Yeah. If you have a real friend, you know what that relationship is all about. Yeah. And then you got a bunch of people that are enemies. If you've lived long enough, you got a few of those. Don't raise your hands. But you also may have some people that, well, we're, we're not friends. I wouldn't tell them everything, but they're not enemies. They're kind of in between. God doesn't have that. God says you are either redeemed or you are rebellious. It's an either-or situation. I was speaking uh, last week with a young lady who's involved in ministry, that, and we pastored her in Texas. Now she's grown, married, has a child. She's in ministry, and she's in a ministry that is there to have rehabilitation for single moms and all those things, wonderful ministry in Texas. And she said, Pastor, I was talking with one of the ladies who just came into the program and I, I started sharing with her about David and Goliath. And the young woman, she said, looked at me and said, who? She said, I was overwhelmed and in awe. Doesn't everybody know about David and Goliath? No. We have a generation that does not know the word of God. And so I believe that our culture is better at education than our churches are. Because the culture is ed educating them in a whole different manner of thinking than the word of God has us to think. And so as men and women of God in the church, we got to train up our children in the way they should go. How? Through the Word of God, not through what's trending on the social media, not what's going on on the, the news and, the, and the, all the things that are there, but what does God's Word say is transculturally true for every generation? We have a generation that doesn't know the Word of God. Uh, Acts 26, 17 and 18, here's what he said. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Do you see the contrast? I want you to open their eyes to what? Truth, truth, truth. 
Why? So they can go from darkness to what? Light. So they can go from the power of Satan to the power of God. They do not share occupancy. If there is darkness, there is no light. If there is light, there is no darkness. John 1.1 says that the, the light overwhelms the darkness. Uh, cannot coexist. And today we're having a theology that is taught and a theology that is practiced in the Christian world that says you can live in both worlds. It's impossible. It's impossible. We cannot be. It's an either or. It's a contrast. Look at James 3, 1 through 12. Today I'm going to give you lots of scripture because I don't believe we should just find one or two and make our own theology. We should hermeneutically and homiletically make it sound doctrine, don't you? James 3, 1 through 12. Out of the same mouth came praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You cannot produce both. You are either fresh or salt. You're either darkness or light. Power of Satan, power of God. We produce what is flowing through us. I talked about this Wednesday night in the teaching that, that, that he's the vine, we are the branches. We are connected, the flow is there and we bear fruit of who we are connected to. And I said whenever you, you, you get low, you've restricted the flow. I've learned that whenever I'm not bearing much fruit, I have not been much in the presence of God. I need the flow of the Holy Spirit going through me to be able to bear the fruit. Praise and cursing. Does it come out of the south mouth? same mouth? Salt water, fresh water, same well? It doesn't happen. It's contrast. God draws these contrasts. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So those who are in rebellious are not thinking the correct way. Those who are redeemed should have a big contrast in thinking compared to those who are in rebellion. We should not even think anything the same. All of our convictions should be different because we are different. Those who follow Christ think one way and those who are in rebellion think another way. That's what the Word of God just says. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Here's what Paul said to the church in Galatia. The acts of the flesh, they are obvious. So if you're in rebellion, this is how you live. In sexual immorality, impurities, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then he says, I don't have enough time to list it all and the like. Anything that's kind of in that same ballpark, those are works of the flesh. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Now I want to tell you, search all you want to, but it's going to be hard to find preachers preaching this today. I'm preaching it in love because I love you and I want you to get your thinking right. If you are redeemed, understand we are not in rebellion. We are friends of God. If you are in rebellion, understand you are an enemy of God. And there's two different ways of living. The following verses, 20 through 25 of Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if you are redeemed, this is how you live. Totally different list than those who are in rebellion. There are direct contrast of lifestyles. But today we think we can mix the two. And because of that, we have all these gray areas. And because of that, we have so many people who are redeemed beginning to question, what does the Word of God say about this topic? Or this topic? Does it really say that, Pastor? Yes, it does. It really says that. We are to have a totally different way of living, a totally different way of thinking, in everything, we are to have contrast to culture. We've been called out, the ecclesia, the church. We are no longer an enemy of God. We've been redeemed. We've been bought with a price. You are not your own. You are a new creation in Christ. And a new creation lives a new and different life. If you are in rebellion, you live one way. You're redeemed, you'll live another. We are created by God. If you're redeemed, you are a new creation and you have been created to do one thing, dominate. Pastor, where do you get that from? Uh, the garden. God created man and woman and he said what? I want you to have dominion. I want you to dominate. I want you to rule this beautiful world that I've created for you. I want you to be in charge. I want you to call the shots. I want you, I have given you all authority over to dominate. But I got to tell you, a lot of times today I don't see Christians dominate. I see Christians being dominated. We are not to be dominated. We are to dominate. Why? Sin caused Adam and Eve to be dominated. Not God. Their decision to go over here and question God's word and then disobey it by their choice, they brought upon themselves a lifestyle where they became dominated. God created it so that they would have everything to enjoy life, but just not this one thing, because why? He wants us to have self-control. He wants us to have understanding that we have boundaries that we do not go beyond in our lifestyles. And so they went beyond that, and because of that, they were no longer dominating. They became dominated. They then had to toil and work and slave and sweat and get their bread and their, their, their housing and everything because of their work instead of God's work. Sin state will cause you to be dominated. You'll be dominated by your desires. 
Yeah. You won't have any self-control. Desires will run rampant. Your passions will go crazy. Why? Because we are born in a state of sin. We do not have to have boundaries to have orgies. We don't have to have boundaries to stay within the parameters of the Word of God. That is a sin state of lifestyle. We have to have boundaries if we are redeemed to live by the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit, if we stay in step with Him, He helps us. We get dominated by our finances. Messed up. I cannot tithe. Why? Because I'm not in charge of my finances. My finances are dominating me. If you dominate your finances when you get money, you tell your money where it's going. I'm telling my money when I get it, first 10% goes to God. I'm telling it that. And then I'm saying this much is going to go to offerings. This much is going to missions. Why? Because I'm dominating my finances. I'm dominating my desires. I'm dominating my passions. I'm dominating my time. I'm dominating my self-esteem. You know why? Because the enemy constantly attacks your self-esteem. Who you are, your self-worth. And I've got to all of a sudden begin to do this again and again and again and again. Rehearse to myself who I am in Christ. I dominate. I'm a conqueror. No, wait. I'm more than a conqueror. If God is for me, who can be against me? All these things. Because I'm redeemed. Fresh water. Praise. I have boundaries. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's who you are. We are not some outcast. We are heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. We crush the enemy with the heel of our foot. We dominate. We are not beggars. We are the blood-bought, redeemed of God. You are a royal priesthood. You are to rise up and take your rightful position as a son and daughter of God and have authority, not be dominated. But the enemy comes in and starts whispering and talking and gets you defeated and gets you worn out and you stop spending time in the presence of God and then all of a sudden everything is gone with all your self-control. I've seen it happen. I want to read a story to you because I think it's powerful when it comes to contrast. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 16, verse 19 and following. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. I love the contrast, don't you? <laughs> he died, buried. The other one died, angels took him to heaven. In Hades, or in hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received all the good things, while Lazarus received the bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to there to you, they cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. 
He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses. They have the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets... They will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Wow, what a contrast. A life on earth in contrast, a life in eternity in contrast. I've had people tell me for years, but pastor, God would not send anyone to hell. No, he will not. He loves every person, every skin color, every life matters to God. He loves everyone and there is no respecter of person. He loves every one of his creation all the same. He died for all of us. But he's given us a free will like with Adam and Eve in the garden. We choose to be redeemed or we choose to be rebellious. Our choice. We choose to follow Christ, to follow his word, to have praise and fresh water come out of our lives, or we choose to live in rebellion and have salt water and cursings come out of our lives. Our choice. So when we stand before God, listen, listen, God is merciful, absolutely. Brand new mercies every morning. God is filled with grace, absolutely, right now. He has so much mercy and so much grace that if anyone, no matter what they have done, if they surrender their heart to him, he will be faithful and just and forgive them of all their sins and wash them white as snow. But there is coming a moment. Listen to me. It's love that I'm preaching this to you. There is coming a moment where he will put on the robe of the judge. There will be no longer any mercy and no longer any grace. But we will stand before God and he will judge our lives according to whether we were redeemed or rebellious. Yeah. We have a judge in our church. On Sundays, he's the nicest guy you ever want to be. But there comes a time when he puts on the robe of a judge. And it's about the law. What is right and what is wrong. And right now, God is a God of mercy, grace. He's your Father. He loves you. He's redeemed you, called you by name, called you out, man. He wants to give you the best. He wants you to dominate. He wants you to give you life and life in abundance. He loves everything about you. He desires you. You're the apple of his eye. He wants to lavish his love upon you. Read the Word of God. But if we refuse and turn in rebellion, you see, the rich man said, let somebody tell this to my brothers. They will repent. You know what that word repent literally means? You have a change of mind. You literally, in your mind, you say, I am going to stop living in rebellion. I'm going to turn my life, and I'm now going to follow Christ. When Jesus called the disciples, what did he say? Leave everything of your past life and follow me. Don't hang on to it for plan B. There's no plan B. Follow me. Paul said it this way, we crucify ourself, our flesh, our own desires, so that what? We can live the life God has called us to live. 
You see, God has this wonderful redeemed life. He wants you to live. He wants to bless you and give you all the things and blessings of being a child of His. Or else we choose to live a life over here to where we're struggling with everything, but we're enjoying our own desires and passions. Yeah. It's our choice. We've been invited to the table. God says, come and dine with me. But if you choose, you can walk away. We are created to dominate. When we drive to Branson, and some of you may see this, I don't know, but I don't know if you ever noticed it or not. But when we drive to Branson, just before, we, we go through Ark City and Cedarville and all those places like that. But just before you get to the interstate, there is a mind-boggling contrast in my, that I see. We're driving down the road, and I see a small church on the right-hand side of the road. And then I look straight past that church, and I see the biggest luxurious casino. And it bothers me. Bothers me. Why is the church so small and the casino so big? It's because both are the result of who gives the most money. Right? I believe the biggest building in Ponca City ought to be the church. It reflects on our community that that is what we believe in the most. That is what we support the most. That is what we give our lives the most for. I give my all to God, my being, my breath, my body, my soul, my mind. I surrender it all to God. God is the Lord of my mind, the way I think. The, he's the Lord of my mouth. He's the Lord of my body. He's the Lord of my finances. He's the Lord of my life. He rules. He sits on the throne of my life. I am redeemed. It's a drastic contrast. Your finances are either or. They are either blessed by God or they are cursed by God. Think about it. What contrast. There's a heaven. Have you read about it lately? Oh, it's a beautiful place. Streets of gold. Can you imagine? Walls of jasper. Gates of pearl. God has spared no expense. And the Bible tells us that right now he's working on your mansion getting it ready. Isn't that awesome? And there's going to be a river of life. There's a tree there that bears all 12 months of the year, and there's healing there. Oh, my goodness. I can't, I've imagined many times me and my father sitting beside the river of life and just talking because he loved rivers. Oh, my goodness, my dad loved rivers. Always loved rivers. Rivers bring life. Heaven's a great place. Here's what God told us to pray. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom comes to earth just like it is in heaven. How many know what will is done in heaven? God's will is done in heaven. No other will is done. And I believe God wants his will to be done in you and me. God's will is for us to dominate. Repent means to change our minds. Look at this. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, right now, while we've got the chance, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Then look at verse 2. That's one contrast. Do not conform. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. What another contrast. 
Be transformed by the renewing of your thinking and your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are not to conform to culture. Culture conforms and gets transformed to the Word of God. Why? Because there is a contrast. It's an either or, rebellious or redeemed. And I know today I'm not going to get shouted out of here. I know today for some of you, you're hearing a rebuke. I do not mean it that way. For some of you, you're hearing correction. I don't mean it that way. Today, I want you to hear encouragement. Why? Because there is a preacher who has a strong enough conviction in his heart to stand behind the pulpit and tell you truth that does not change. That's what we need today. Look at this. Matthew 8, 25 through 27 says this. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and waves, and it was completely calm. Then the men were amazed and asked him, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What a contrast right there. Faith and fear. You have little faith. You're going to have a lot of fear. You cannot have great faith and have fear. They cannot coexist. But pastor, you don't understand. I don't need to understand. You and I need to go to the word. What does it say? The Bible says this. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of what? Power. Why? To dominate. I've given you power. I've given you love. And I've given you what else? A sound mind. So you can begin to understand what is the will of God. I want to transform, not conform. I want to be redeemed, not rebellious. I want to be light, not darkness. I want to be fresh water, not salt water. I want to have the power of God, not live and be dominated by the power of Satan. It's a strict contrast. It's a line. And today people don't like lines. We like curves. And we like them to go where we go. Come on, I'm preaching the truth to you. If it hurts a little bit, that's okay. It's called conviction. I get convicted all the time. All the time. Is it fun? Not all the time. Do I need it? All the time. He says, son, you're getting a bad attitude. Get back over here. How many know that even the redeemed can get a bad attitude? You got to be careful. You got to stay in that flow. Even the redeemed can begin to question, did God really say that? Because whenever it comes to our house, it hurts. Yeah. And today, we are being confronted by culture on every area of the truths of the Word of God. And the church needs to be literate of the Word of God. And to be able to have an answer in season and out of season of what is truth. Because I'm having people come to me constantly 
What is the truth? I've got to know it. But guess what? They're also coming to you. They're coming to you and saying, hey, what is the truth? You go to church. What is the truth? Say, well, it's not what my church believes. Because how many know I've seen churches change what they believe? But what does the word of God say? Every time Jesus was tempted in the, in the, in the desert, what did he say? The word of God says. Was it his word, his opinion, his feelings in that moment? It was the word. It is written. We've got to read the word. The Bible is filled with contrast. Today is no different than yesterday. I know Christians look different than yesterday. I look different as a pastor than just a few years ago. And I will look different as a pastor from the outside a few years from now. But what I've been preaching for almost 40 years has not changed. Because it is the Word. And the Word never changes. It confronts culture. It confronts us. It does not condone or condemn, but it does convict. And conviction's good. Why do we come to church? Because we need to hear the word. We don't need a politician trying to make everybody happy. I'm not running for political office. I'm not running to be your pastor. I am here because God has placed me here and I'm trying my best to hear well done when I get through every Sunday. Not from you, but from God. I want to preach everything I preach with truth and love and compassion. And I hope you've heard everything I've said today with that filter. Because some people may walk out of here today and go, I heard nothing but condemnation. I heard nothing but judgmentalism. I heard nothing but small-mindedness. I heard nothing but elitism. I heard nothing but this. No, 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 that's not what you've heard today. What you've heard today is love, compassion, truth. And hopefully the Spirit of God has borne witness with your spirit. This really is the truth. I don't change the Word. The Word changes me. Would you stand with me today? God is love. He's filled with mercy and compassion and grace. And we are in a dispensation of time to where God's grace and mercy is at its peak. How do I know? Because I use up all my mercies every day. I do. How do I know? Because God says this in His Word, that His grace is sufficient for me. But I do my best. He sees my heart. He sees my motive. And He loves me. And He sees your heart. And He sees your motive. And He loves you. But today, I want you to understand, there is no way to be in rebellion and be a friend of God. It just cannot happen. No matter how we want it to happen, no matter how we turn it, no matter how we say, but pastor, this, no. You cannot be light and darkness at the same time. You cannot be salty and fresh at the same time. 
either or. There's a line. And we have to make the decision, do I cross that line and follow Christ? Do I surrender my life to Him? Or do I say, I'm going to do what I want to do?